Welcome to the CISSP Cyber Training Podcast, where we provide you the training and tools you need to pass the CISSP exam the first time. Hi, my name is Sean Gerber, and I'm your host for this action-packed, informative podcast. Join me each week as I provide the information you need to pass the CISSP exam and grow your cybersecurity knowledge. All right, let's get started. Hey y'all, Sean Gerber with CISSP Cyber Training, and today is CISSP Question Thursday. But before we get started, we're going to talk about just a quick article I was reading in InfoSec Industry. It brought it up on Forbes, and it's related to the changes that are happening within Gmail. Gmail is recommending that you put in place a multi-factor if you don't already have it. And the reason they're doing that is they've been seen a lot of different challenges that have been happening to their uh, various platform. And one of the things that they said, if you really have these three items, you need to consider putting in place your multi-factor. And one is creating and editing or importing a filter. Two is adding or forwarding addresses from a post office protocol, which is your POP, right? Your email POP or your IMAP uh protocols as well. So if you have an email that you forward to it, they'll want that in there. And then also if you're enabling IMAP access from your settings. Bottom line is they want you to add this multi-factor enable capability now. One interesting part of that is is it it already has much of this built into it. You're just going to have to, if you don't have it enabled, it's going to prompt you for that enabling. Uh, the, obviously what they're running into is some issues with malicious actors that are trying to game the overall situation and they recommend that you get that done as soon as you possibly can. So if you have a Gmail account, that might be something to consider. Also, when as a security person and working on your CISSP, understanding some of these articles are really important, especially for some of your senior leaders, because what's going to happen is your senior leaders may have questions for you and require this of you saying, hey, I don't know what to do. If you already come with some level of knowledge around this and maybe even put out a recommendation to them, that would be a great first step in helping them. So just kind of keep that in mind, but Gmail is recommending your, your multi-factor is enabled. Uh, and again, I come back to the fact that you will have users that are going to ask you questions specifically around this topic. Okay, let's get started on the CISSP questions and let's see what we've got today. Okay, question one. Which of the following best describes the fundamental purpose of an organization's security governance program? A, implementing security technologies. B, compliance with legal regulations. C, ensuring that the secure organizational culture. Or D, aligning security with business objectives. So again, which is the best, which best describes the fundamental purpose of an organization's security governance program? And the answer is D, aligning the security with your business objectives. That is something you will deal with a lot as a CISSP. And your security governance is a framework that will help align with the overall strategy of what your business is looking to accomplish. And so again, that's really an important factor is that you always comes back to the business objectives. Question two, which framework emphasizes continuous monitoring and risk management? So now they gave you some acronyms. So the key around this is you're going to have to know these acronyms to be able to understand what they are. So which framework emphasizes continuous monitoring and risk management? COBIT, ITIL, COSO, that's C-O-S-O, and then D is RMF, Romeo, Mike, Foxtrot. And the answer is 
RMF, Risk Management Framework. This emphasizes continuous monitoring and risk management on integrating these processes into your various development life cycle. Now, the key question is, if you get this question, what do I do? So if you're dealing with COVID, obviously that is a framework out there, uh, but it doesn't deal with risk. It's more on the IT space. It does have a little bit of risk, but it's not totally around that. ITIL and CASO are something you may or may not be aware of, but RMF, you can just kind of make the assumption it would deal with risk. So that's going to be a tough one for you. Question three, ISO and our ISO 27001 is primarily concerned with what aspect of information security management? A, risk management, B, compliance monitoring, C, software development, or D, physical security. Question again is, ISO 27001 is primarily concerned with what aspect of information security management? A, risk management, B, compliance monitoring, C, software development, or D, physical security. When you're dealing with ISO 27001, always think of risk management. That's the purpose behind it. It is designed specifically on risk management and information security management. And it's overall business risk is what it's focused on, right? So you could get, you could possibly come down to the compliance monitoring and maybe bite off on that. But risk management is a key factor when it comes to 27001. How does an application of a balanced scorecard benefit an organization's security governance? program. So the question is, how does the application, so basically putting in place of a balanced scorecard benefit an organization's security governance program? So the scorecard is basically what do you do, right? How are, how is your patching doing? How is your, um, I'm trying to think of something else, your mobile def program going so on and so forth. So it's just giving you a grade, right? Well, A, it ensures total regulatory compliance. B, it measures your financial performance only. C, it balances security controls with business goals, or D, it focuses exclusively on technology improvements. So if you don't know how to answer this, when you start getting into the exclusively ensures total financial or performance only, those are key indicators that that might not be the right question or right answers. The actual answer is C, it balances security controls with your business goals or your business goals. The ultimate goal is you align your security control with your business goals is an important factor in any sort of security governance program. So again, you want to make sure that you keep in or key in on some of those keywords. Question five, which principle of security governance focuses on ensuring that decisions are made by individuals with the appropriate authority and responsibility? The principle of security governance focuses on ensuring that decisions are made by individuals with appropriate authority and responsibility. The answer, one of the answers, protection. Okay. What that's, we're talking about principles here. The protection principle, responsibility, accountability, or transparency. So again, it focuses on ensuring decisions are made by individuals with the appropriate authority and their responsibility. And the answer is C, accountability. This uh, ensures that those that have the appropriate authority and responsibility can make those decisions. Very tricky. Those are kind of tough ones because you get real quick. If you roll through this too fast, you could just start picking on ones that are not correct. Question six, in the context of NIST cybersecurity framework, what does the protect function primarily emphasize? So I'm going to focus on the protect aspect. You have A, monitoring. B, penetration testing, C, disaster recovery, or D, access control. 
And the answer is D, the protect function of the cybersecurity framework emphasizes primarily on the implementation of appropriate safeguards to deliver critical infrastructure services. And it's based on access control. Question seven, what is the primary goal of the security control framework, such as NIST special publication 853? The primary goal of the security control framework a, identify potential threats. B, ensure compliance with laws and regulations. C, establishing security controls and the associated guidelines. Or D, developing security technologies. So what is the primary goal of this? And that is C, sorry. C, establishing security controls and guidelines. 853 focuses on providing the guidelines and standards for implementing these security controls within, especially within federal information systems. That's what the key point also to keep in mind is NIST focuses on U.S.-based federal systems. However, many use NIST because of the fact that it can be used with any organization. Question eight, which international standard focuses on the implementation of risk management processes that are integrated with the overall business risk? Again, the international focus, keyword, and implementation of risk management processes, keyword, and then it's integrated with overall business risk. So you have ISO 27002, ISO 27005, ISO 27001, and NIST 853. Again, which one is it? International Standard focuses on this, so it would be the ISO 27001 focuses on risk management with the organization's overall risks. Okay, question nine. What does the Sherwood Applied Business Security Architecture, SABSA, primarily aim to provide? Now, when I first took the CISSP, I had no idea what this would be. And honestly, even in my job, I'm not too, totally connected with SABSA. But one thing that was, I started doing some digging into this, I figured, you know what? Let's throw this out there as a question and then see what you think. Well, answer, we'll go through some of the responses. A, detailed technical controls. B, business-driven approach to security. C, compliance with GDPR. Or D, network security protocols. The key is, if you don't know what this is, focus on the name, the Sherwood Applied Business Security Architecture. So if it's a, if it's a business keyword, it's a security architecture. So if it's an architecture, it's not going to divide or design specifically on detailed technical controls. Most architecture is not in a detail. It's more of a, a larger abstract environment. Compliance with GDPR as question C or answer C, no, it's not focused on that because it really doesn't get in. It, it could potentially because it's business related, but I wouldn't glob onto that one. And then network security protocols, it doesn't have anything to deal with network security protocols. So if you had to narrow it down, you potentially could go with B and C, but the actual answer is B, the business driven approach to security. It's a framework and a methodology for delivering a cohesive information security solution. Okay, that aligns with your business, thus providing a business-driven approach. Okay, so which of the following is not an underlying principle of COBIT? So we talked about this before. What is COBIT? You know, that's the, one of the frameworks that deals specifically around IT. And well, so let's, if you know that going into it, then the answers would be meeting stakeholders' needs is one answer. That's A. Meeting or applying a single integrated framework, that would be B or C, enabling a holistic approach, 
or D, ensuring technological advancement. Okay, so which of the following is not an underlying principle of COVID? Okay, so it's easy to glob onto the wrong one on this, but meets the stakeholders need. That would be a principle that you would want it to do. Applying a single integrated framework. COBIT is an integrated framework. You'd want that to be the case. C, enabling a holistic approach. It's more all about, it's a full up again, basically around the whole situation. Or D, ensuring technological advancement. Now, even though COBIT focuses on IT and it focuses on that aspect of it, it's not an underlying principle of COBIT. Okay, it focuses, COBIT focuses on the stakeholders' needs your integrated framework, and enabling a holistic approach. So again, think about the question. So which is not an underlying principle, an underlying principle of COBIT? Again, it's highly focused on IT and the technological aspects, but it's not ensuring that the technological advancement is occurring. Okay, what is the primary focus of COSO framework? Okay, so the COSO framework is a committee on sponsoring organizations and of a Treadway Commission. Okay, so that's really hard, right? But it's basically, that's the purpose of COSO. Now, the focus of it, since it is a committee sponsoring organizations of the Treadway Commission, okay, this focuses on internal controls within an organization, especially related to financial reporting. So as you're going down this path, because you may not have heard of COSO before, is it is a focus on internal financial reporting. So when we look at the questions, what is the primary focus of COSO? A, network security, no. B, internal controls within an organization, possibly. C, disaster recovery, not really. D, incident response, not not really. So the answer would have to be B. So again, you gotta understand the COSO framework. Even if you didn't know COSO framework, if you understand it's probably not dealing with disaster recovery or incident response because both of them would probably fall within a very similar area. You could throw those out. Network security, it doesn't, I've never talked about that too much in our podcast. So it probably isn't one that would fall under that. So you then break it down to an internal control within an organization. Next question, which stage of the RMF process includes the formal acceptance of a system? A, categorize, B, implement, C, authorize, or D, monitor. So we're talking about the risk matrix framework, right? The risk management framework. So that's the RMF, the risk management framework. What includes the formal acceptance of the system? A, categorize, B, implement, C, authorize, or D, monitor. And the answer is C, authorize. Authorize is the stage in which the RMF process involves the formal acceptance of the system and understanding the security controls that are in place. In the context of security controls or the security control framework, which or what does the term baseline refer to? Okay, so in the context of security control frameworks, what does the term baseline refer to? A, a set of minimum security controls. B, the first phase in a risk assessment. C, the security incident response plan. Or D, the network monitoring tool. So you're looking at a baseline, again, that's the, that's the beginning, the minimum security standards. What would that be? A, a set of minimum security controls or standards that you have in place. That is your baseline. This is the point, the starting point for your system hardening and in your overall risk management strategy. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple scenario questions real quick here. The CEO of a large financial organization is pushing for a quicker adoption of new technologies to stay competitive. 
As the CISO, you decide to follow a risk management framework to ensure a balance between rapid technology development and security. Which of the following is not generally used for this purpose? So you're looking for a risk management framework okay, to help balance between rapid technology and security. So, and you're also looking for a quick adoption. So the following frameworks, NIST 853. So again, again, look at the negatives. This is not generally used for this purpose. NIST 853, ISO 27001, COBIT, or Agile. So as we've talked about in the podcast, those the top three are frameworks. Agile is not a framework. It's a Well, it is a framework, but it's a software development framework. It is not specifically around the overall risk management process that you would be tied to typically to 853 or ISO 27001 or COBIT. Sorry, I can't speak. But again, Agile is a framework focused on software development, so it is not used for this specific purpose. Okay, so next question. Your organization is evaluating the financial impact of a potential data breach. The asset value is $500,000. So the one asset you're looking at, the value of it, okay? And we talk about this whole plan of figuring out your single loss expectancy. This is your SLE. The asset value, AV, is $500,000. The exposure factor is 60%, which basically means 60% you're exposed. What is the single loss expectancy that you can you could attribute to this potential data breach? So you have 30,000, you have 60,000, you have 300,000, or you have 500,000. Again, so the overall single loss expectancy of an exposure factor of 60% is 300,000. So you basically take 600,000, or not 600, you take 500,000 times 60%, and that will give you your single loss expectancy of $300,000. Okay, thank you so much for today. You're all done. I hope you have a wonderful day. Go out to CISSPCyberTraining.com and you can check out what I've got there. It's available to you at any time. And there's a lot of great stuff from the blueprints to the videos to questions you can ask me directly. Uh, I answer those. I do, really do. So please head on out to CISSP Cyber Training and go sign up for my free three, 30 days of CISSP questions if you want that or just go on out there and see what other products we have available. I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. All right, have a wonderful day, and we'll catch you on the flip side. See ya. Thanks so much for listening today, as it was my pleasure to prep you for the CISSP exam. But are you interested in some free CISSP exam questions? Head on over to CISSPQuestions.com and sign up to join my email list and you will gain access to 30 free CISSP questions each and every month. That's a total of 360 questions just for signing up with CISSP Cyber Training. You will also gain access to other free resources, so just head on over to FreeCISSPQuestions.com or CISSPCyberTraining.com and sign up today. All right, have a wonderful day, and we'll catch you on the flip side. See you.